0: My name is Jesse, by the way, I'm the youth pastor here at the church, and I've got a short message for this morning. Uh, Before we get into it, though, I wanted to point out on the schedule for the camp meetings, which is two weeks away, there is a youth worship night Friday night. And I wanted to make sure that's open to everyone. Basically, what that means is that's code for it's going to be very loud. So, Friday night, after the service, we're actually going to have Josh Davy in house and Roy from Chile. I don't know how to say his last name. but well, she's from Buffalo now, actually. And they're bringing a team, and it's going to be a party. It's going to be a great time. Everyone's invited, not just youth, but it will be loud. I'm sure there will be some dancing, and uh, it probably will go late. So, that's going to be Friday night. Two weeks from now, everyone's invited, worship night after the meeting. So, it's going to be fun. Um, My message, I just titled it, Give. It's not the best title, I guess. I just write these simple titles in my uh, uh, notes app here. So I gave the media team permission to change the title if they want, because that doesn't have a whole lot of clickbait to it. But that's the title of my message. I wanted to talk about giving uh, this morning. And it kind of came from a bunch of different things, but I was reading this uh, story uh, actually a book. It's a book called Apostle of Faith, and it's about a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. I think it's dated from probably back in the early 1900s somewheres, and Smith, he's a bit of an odd duck when you read about him, where like he just thinks differently. He encounters God, and he's just, it's just like so many people are coming to the Lord through his ministry, and the healings that he sees, the stories that he has, he's raising people from the dead, and it's just like he, he thinks on a whole nother level, and it opens up my mind to what really is possible. It's like straight out of the book of Act, out of the book of Acts. The, the things that he's doing, and he just writes it in such a matter-of-fact way. It's just like this happened, and this was his response, and it, it worked. <laughs> and And he's he's called the uh, he's called an apostle of faith. That's often a title that's put on Smith Wigglesworth. And it's a great book. It's really old, yellow pages, um, old-fashioned writing, but uh, a really good book. Just story after story. So I've been reading that, and he's got this simple story in here, of. Um, he was uh, at the breakfast table with his wife and two kids, two young kids. And the kids were sick. And they just simply decided to pray for the kids. And so they did that. They laid their hands on the kids and prayed for them. And they were instantly healed. And I think it was fairly new in his ministry. where It, it just rocked him. Like, it was so simple. It was so pure. They just prayed for the kids. They were healed. And so he's just he's on cloud nine. He's full of joy. He just saw this healing in his family. So he goes to work. He's a plumber, and he's working on someone's house with pipes, and I'm just doing what plumbers do. And he, the homeowner is there, and she sees something on him. She sees, like, his, he's, he's on cloud nine. Like I said, he's full of joy, assurance, and, and peace, and, like, something's there. She sees it on him. And so she finally gets a moment and asks him, like, what's up? What's in you? And he just He tells her the story about what happened that morning and how they prayed for their kids and they were both healed. And that story just impacts her. And she's like, I want that. I want that joy. I want that peace. And she begins to share more with him. And it turns out her husband just left her that morning. She's completely distraught. And here she has this guy come in who's just overflowing with peace. And so she, basically, she just prayed for me. She wants prayer. And so he he prays with her, asks Jesus to come into her life. They pray the sinner's prayer. And she's flooded with the same type of joy, peace, and assurance. God comes in encounters her in, in a way that she's never experienced before. And it's just so simple. Um, and then she asked this question. And this is what caught my attention here. I'm just gonna read it straight out of the, the book here. Uh, the writing is, kind of old-fashioned, I guess, but just wanted to read what she says here because the question and the answer is just what I honed in on. Um, it says here in the book, it says, she was filled with the joy of the assurance that all her sins were washed away. And she said, how can I keep this? So right away, she's asking him, like she's worried this is gonna leave, this this feeling. And she's like, how can I keep this? How can I keep this peace, this assurance? And I think about like, what would my answer be? And it's just, I don't think my answer would have been as simple as his, to be honest. He just gives her this very simple answer. And it's funny how he words it. He says, I asked, do you have an at-home day when the ladies come to visit you? I'm not quite sure what that is, but it must have been that day and age that every lady had an at-home day when they would all visit each other. So he asked her that, and she answered, I have one next Thursday. And he says, I said to her, tell all the ladies how the Lord has saved you and ask if you can pray with them. Isn't that so simple? It's just like, give it away. Give away what you've been given. That's how you keep it. I feel like I would have probably said something like, you know, have devotions every morning and, and, and have conversations with God, which is all a good thing. Get to know him, you know, build your relationship. But but he just goes straight to it and is like, give it away. That's how you keep what you've been given. And that's what spoke to me, and that's kind of what I would like to speak about this morning. And I, I realize the whole thing also has to do with this. You know, she's dealing with anxiety and stress about what's going on. And um, I've realized it, whenever I'm, it's hard to find a middle ground. I'm either, I'm either anxious or worried or I'm, I'm peaceful and I, I'm, I have assurance about where I'm at in, in life. It's hard to be neutral, you're the one or the other. And Jesus talks about it in Matthew six, where he talks about, he, he says, do not worry. And he says it several times, do not worry. That word worry has to do with anxiety and don't be anxious. I'm glad he doesn't just stop there because it's pretty hard just to not worry. But he goes on and he goes and he starts talking about how uh, the father can take, he loves to take care of us. He takes care of the birds and he's got the flowers and all that. It's just beautiful scripture. And then he says, but, and so this is like his antidote to not worrying. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God, in my words, God will take care of all the things that you're worried about. He'll take care of it. It's that simple. And it's, it's just bringing the focus off of yourself, off of your own survival into the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you look at the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, he mentions in another place, it's not, a, it's not a place, it's not a building, it's not even really a thing, it's kind of hard to put your finger on. But he says the kingdom of God is within you. And so whenever we talk about the kingdom of God, it always has to do with other people, with people, because that's where you find the kingdom. You won't find the kingdom in this building but you will find it when people are here because the kingdom of God is in other people. And so he talks about seeking that first, seeking that kingdom of God first, which is in your own life, in other people, and his righteousness, which is simply being right with God. That's, In other words, that's kind of like the antidote to dealing with anxiety and worry where you're focused on something other than you, other than your survival. Uh, God loves it when we live like this. When he sees that, he just wants to pour through us. He wants to use us because he knows that it's gonna flow right through us into the rest of his children. Uh, we know the story of Solomon where um, he gets visited to God in a dream and God comes to him, and this is my words, and God says, ask what you want. And just imagine being in that place where God says, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. you know, what would you say? Like, it's just like, you can have whatever you want. And Solomon, in my words, says, I don't know what I'm doing. He says, I'm king, I don't know how to judge these people. I I don't know who's right, who's wrong. And he says, give me an understanding heart so that I can judge accurately so that I can figure out who's good, who's bad, who's right, who's wrong. And so the Lord sees that and it just trips God heart God's heart in such a way because God realizes that Solomon is so others focused. He's so focused on the people that he's leading that whatever God gives him, it just flows through him. And so God's like you can have it all. You can have you can have the fame. You can have the money the fortune and you can and and, and the understanding heart you're definitely getting that. And Solomon gets everything. It's just like God Releases it all out to him because he sees where his focus is at and it just flows right through him. There was a, a back in the spring of um, 2020 or kind of early summer time frame, I can't quite remember when it was, but it was right in that time frame where we were kind of applying for whether you were an essential business and all that, and you weren't sure if you were going to be open remember that in those days (laughs) and you had to like figure out what made your business essential and and go that way and try and apply and we were in that that phase and I think we just got accepted as an essential business so we were open but nobody knew the future you know it turns out it was one of our busiest years ever but we didn't know that looking out right there it was like we didn't know what the next several months were going to hold and so everyone's just kind of hunkered down there's a business owner who actually goes to this church walks into our store and gives me five hundred dollars and just basically said, this is yours, this is yours. This is like a credit for my employees to spend at your store. And it was right in that time when, like, nobody was doing this. It was like his own stimulus check. Come to find out, I wasn't the only business he gave money to. There were several other businesses, multiple businesses he just handed money to. Said, this is like a stimulus, it's my words. like a stimulus check. And I was just blown away. And I was like, God, I know you're going to bless that person. I know you're going to, like, it's not like, why didn't I think of that? Like, I'm missing out on the blessing of God because I just knew God was going to see that and be like, he is gonna pour so many blessings into that business owner because he's doing something so opposite of what the rest of us are doing. You know, I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to like hold on for the next several months to see what is happening. And this guy's just giving me money. And it was just amazing. And I feel like God sees that and he, he wants to pour his blessing onto them because he knows that they will be a blessing. It's, it just attracts that uh, from God. Uh, it's all things that we know. I feel like this is nothing new that I'm sharing but actually, building that into your life, to where you're ready when the moment comes, is is something totally different. Like building, it's a discipline we can actually build into your life. This whole thing of giving, whether it's money, time, resources, it's a discipline that I want to build. Um, in Second Corinthians, I'm going to turn to it. Chapter nine. I think it's Paul writing. He talks about this whole thing of giving and being a cheerful giver. We've probably all heard that phrase, for God loves a cheerful giver. Basically, he talks about how to become a cheerful giver. You can't just force yourself to be a cheerful giver. God will know when, when your smile is fake. He, he knows. And so you can't just be like, I'm cheerful, and you know, drop the money in the pot or give some other way. You you gotta so come back and I feel like Paul here gives the answer on how to become a cheerful giver and it's pretty simple. He talks about it in five, six, and seven of Second Corinthians chapter nine. He says, "Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go ahead of you, to go to you ahead of time, and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it would be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation." But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. The way I see it, Paul's like, I'm getting you ready. I want to get you ready to give this gift so that when the time comes, you're going to be ready to give this gift. And it's just so simple. It's, it's kind of like if I decide at the beginning of the month if I'm giving money, if I decide I'm going to give this amount at the beginning of the month, but I don't know where I'm going to give that, when that moment comes sometime during the month, I can give it so freely. Because it's already given, I, I've given it already. I mean, it doesn't matter what the scenario is; I can just give it. And it's a key, I think, to becoming that cheerful giver. And you can do this in your life in so many different ways, where you can actually—you're allowed to decide beforehand. And when you do, it frees something up in you, where you can just become that cheerful giver because it's—it's it's already done. You've made the decision. I, I love spontaneous giving as a time and place for it that. A time and place for that, but. But so much of it here is actually just a discipline that I want to build into my life. It's kind of like, this is just kind of how my mind works. But thought of this, uh, I got this idea through somebody else, really. But when you go through um, a line of Chipotle and you're ordering a burrito, all right? So I'm going to start with the rice. Let's go white rice, black beans. We'll get some chicken. Sometimes I get maybe a little bit of chicken and steak, half and half. Then you start adding all the veggies. And then you hit the guac. (laughs) Anyone know that moment? You hit the guac. And last I checked, I think it was $2.50 for a little scoop of guac. I hate that. And it's like, I really love guac in my in my burrito. Like it's just not the same without it, but $2.50. And so I have this struggle where it's lose lose, because it's like, if I get it, I mean, then I'm I feel like I'm ripped off. And so I, I don't get it. But if I don't get it, then I'm just like, this burrito would be so much better with guac. And so I I got this idea from somebody else. I just decided beforehand. Every time I get a burrito, I'm getting guac. And it just released something in me where I'm like, I get the guac. That's what I do. I always get the guac. And it's just so simple. And I I spend the money. Yes, I spend the extra money. But I've just decided beforehand, I'm the guy who gets the guac. And it's like, I don't have to make the decision ever again. And you can do that in so many different ways. Just put yourself in like a church setting. You're at a new church. Offering plate is being passed. Here it comes. And what are you going to do? And I'm in this lose-lose scenario game where I open up my wallet. All that's there is a $20 bill. It's like, oh, why didn't I have a couple ones or a five? You know, a 20, that's all I got. And it's like, what am I going to do? If I give... I was really hoping to use that 20 on something else, and so I, I could hold back. I don't even know who these people are, uh, but if I don't give, them, I'm going to feel cheap, and so it's like, which way do you go? You know, you can make a decision beforehand, and I, I haven't made this, but I think I should. I should just make the decision beforehand. When the offering plate's coming, I'm given, and it just releases something that, like, I've already decided it. I can give that 20 No problem, because I've already decided. I can get that any other day. I'll make it back. And there's just so many different things you can do with that. When when we have camp meetings up here in two weeks, you can decide. Every time I'm getting prayed for, if I'm up here in altar time and ministry time, every time I'm getting prayed for, I'm praying for somebody. You just give it right back. It's a decision you can make. And to be honest, me being up here, I've just decided, even for me speaking, there's never a convenient time for me to be up here. I, life happens it's busy and I've just decided in my own life that if I'm around if I'm asked to preach I say yes it's just a decision that I've made I don't I'm not going to let work dictate whether I say yes or no if I'm gone I'm gone I won't say yes but and and it's something that I could revisit I suppose if I do get too busy or if I'm being asked to preach too much and it takes too much or I just can't handle it I can revisit it but for now I've just simply decided I say yes doesn't matter where I'm at in life, doesn't matter how busy I am, I just say yes. And it just frees so much in me because I've, I've already decided to do it. I've already decided to give in this way and there's lots of different ways you can build this discipline into your life as I wanted to encourage you with. Matthew 5 talks about it in 38, 38 to 42. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. It's just so simple where he's like, when this happens, here's what you do. Just decide beforehand you know, you can be taken advantage of, yes, but it's, it's, it's like a different mentality. He's not saying that he wants you to live a life where there's no boundaries and where you're constantly being run over. No, I don't think that's where he's getting at. I think what he's getting at is there's a different level you can live at where you realize how big your God is, and you realize that he truly is an abundant God who wants to give to you, and if you are ripped off, if you are taken advantage of, you can just release it. You can say, that's all right. I've already decided I know that's going to happen. I've got a lot of life ahead of me. There will be times when I'm I'm taking advantage of, and I'm just going to be all right with it. It's okay. And it's just a whole different mentality that, like I said, is very freeing. He's like, if somebody wants you to walk one mile, double it. Go with them too. It doesn't matter. And it's just like, it's a different mindset. It's raising up to a different level. Um, and so it's, it's just, I feel like it's just so important in my own life where like, I want to build this discipline in my life. I want to decide beforehand that when the moment comes, I can freely give. And there's so much freedom in it. Uh, in Acts 20, I've shared this several times, I think, here, but it just highlights the importance of living that life of giving. Uh, let me just pull, find it here. Acts 20, which comes right after Acts 19. Actually, Acts 19, there's some good stuff, too, because in Acts 19, uh, Paul meets these guys from Ephesus. They don't even know know who the Holy Spirit is. They have some sort of knowledge of God, but not a whole lot. He prays for them. They receive the Holy Spirit. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They speak in tongues. They prophesy, and it starts something. It starts a church. It starts a group. It starts a movement, and so in Acts 20, Paul has started this group, and so he's with them and he realizes that he's about to die. And so he knows that his end is near and he just knows that his life is about to come to an end. And so he meets with these people who he's very close with. He pulls the elders of that church that he started together and he gives them his farewell speech. And this isn't just a goodbye, I'll see you later type speech. Just is i I'm going to die, not going to see my face anymore. And it wasn't like they had phones, they could just call him. it really was the last time they were going to see each other. And if you think about, if you had to talk to somebody for the last time, what would you say? What would be important? And so he brings it up here in 20, um, Acts 20, it's towards the end. He starts, 17, it starts where he grabs all the elders of the church and he gives them this farewell speech. Here's how he ends it. I'm going to fast forward to uh, towards the last couple verses. He starts talking about how he's. He's coveted no one's silver or gold. He's, um, let me just read it here. talks in 33. He says, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities And those who were with me. So he's giving them an example. He's just saying, I made sure to take care of my own needs when I was here. I wasn't asking anything of you, and I covered my team's needs. And then he says, I was an example. I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, "It is more blessed to give than to receive." And it's, that's his last words. That's where he ends things is right there. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That was, that's the level of importance I think this has in our lives where he realizes that if they can keep that right, if they can keep that in their lives, they'll make it. They'll make it. And that's where he leaves them. He just says it's blessed, more blessed to give than to receive. This is the example I want to give to you. It's powerful. It's simple. And it's something that he just leaves them with. He goes. He doesn't see them anymore. And so there's a level of importance to that that I want to build in my own life where if I receive, I want to give. If I receive, I want to give. And I just want to build that discipline in my life. And I see that here amongst this church too. This church is such a giving church. And I just wanted to inspire everyone afresh to keep that a priority because that's what's going to keep you going. That's what, that's what the lady said in the beginning with the story with Smith, Wiggle, uh, with Smith Wigglesworth. We're like, you want to keep that in your life? Give it away. You want to keep something in your life? Give it away. And God just keeps pouring it fresh through you. Proverbs says, 11, 24, 25, and Proverbs has a bunch of these verses, um, but it says, there is one who scatters, yet increases more and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will himself, or will also be watered himself. And he's not saying, it, I don't see him saying it in like a, here's the prize if you give. I see this as just, Solomon is a wise man who's lived a life. He's just simply stating the facts. He's like, I've seen this, and it's true. He who waters will be watered himself. And it's just the way it is. It's like a law. It's like something that just happens, that if if you sow, you will reap. And he just simply stating it's, it's, it's such a simple um, saying, but it's so true. He who waters will himself be watered. And there's one who scatters. He just gives away, and yet it continues to increase. It continues to increase. Why don't we stand? We're gonna end a little bit early. We got a little bit like 10 minutes early here. And I just wanna take some time and pray for the group right here. And let's ask God, I wanna invite him to give us opportunities to give—that's kind of a scary prayer—and I don't know what that means. Like, for, what that means for everybody here, but I just want to um, encourage you to open your heart to that. Let God give you opportunities to give, and He's not giving. Paul says in another verse, in another scripture here. He says, um, "I'm not seeking your gift." But I'm seeking the fruit that abounds to your account when you give. And so something happens when you give where I don't really, I don't think God necessarily cares about your gift. He's not looking for that. He has everything. But he knows that when you do give, there's fruit that's coming into your life. And he, he pours through you. It's like it's, it's, he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And there's a way we can approach this whole thing where I'm like, God, bless me. And I'm not saying that in a selfish way or an arrogant way. I'm just saying that bless me so that I can be a blessing. Flow through me. And I want to just invite that over everyone here and ask God to give us opportunities to be a blessing. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this church. There's such giving people. I know they are. There's there's so many people here who just give and give. And God, I pray that that would continue and that would increase, Lord, that you would continue to give us opportunities in our town, in our community, in our church, Lord whether it's giving money, giving time, giving resources, giving of ourselves through, through knowledge that we have or, or experience that we have, Lord, I pray for opportunities here for everyone to be able to give. As stretching, as, as scary as that looks like, Lord, I pray there be opportunities. And God, I also pray that there be disciplines, that you would teach every single one of us what it looks like to build a discipline of giving to where it happens. We've just built it into our lives to where we don't have to think about it, and it happens and it flows through us in such a natural, natural way. Build that into my life, Lord. Build that into everyone here, Lord, that we could learn what it looks like even more and more to be a giving person and and to see your blessings, to see what you have flow through us into the lives of other people. Stretch us in the right way. Grow us in the right way, Lord. Walk before us and behind us. We just invite you. Just like David said in Psalms, he's like, God, I want you to look at me, to check me for, for any flaws, anything like that, Lord, I invite you into my life, and God, then I invite you to work with me, to grow me. Lord, bless us so that we can be a blessing, flow through us, so that we're a river, not a lake. Lord, bring the right people into our, our lives, people that, that we can impact in the right way, people where we can bring your kingdom to. We bless you, Lord. amen. Amen.